0: Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio.
1: Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, Sirius XM Channel 80, your smart speakers, wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to have Chris Canty here in a few minutes on the Goodyear hotline, brought to you by Goodyear. (laughs)
2: Just laughing at Key, I can't, because people can't see it. But just Key's dance moves and (laughs) coming in the break,
3: I can't. Go ahead, Max. That's
2: the music, though. Yeah, that's how the music makes you vibe.
3: The music makes me vibe.
1: Yeah. College football is heating up. Goodyear knows the passion it takes to drive every game forward. Whether your team's home or away, the traditions that bring us together are still the same. That's the road that moves us. Goodyear, more driven. Jay, when you've been booed as a player, how does
3: it make you feel? I love it. Ain't nothing better. How about when you, when you know you get ready to lose and they say overrated? How did that make you feel?
2: Uh, not great, but I start talking trash back to them anyway. I'm gonna see y'all again. That's where did I go you, with
3: it. You didn't cry? No, I didn't cry. <laughs> okay. Just... Why did you cry? Oh yeah, hell yeah, I cried. Cause we was really good and we just the year, I, the year I was called overrated. We played Notre Dame. That's in South Bend and. Going into that game, we were preseason ranked number one. The whole deal, we were undefeated. Going, I think we were like maybe six and zero or something like that. But we had about seven players. Uh, of course, USC. We had about seven players suspended for a number Jeez. of games due to some things that they probably shouldn't have been doing at the point in time. The NC two A mm-hmm. kind of did us in, mm-hmm. and uh, we went into Notre Dame shorthanded, and Mark Edwards and Ron Paulus got a hold of us. And I was telling Yates, or doing the break I was telling Yates, the only time I've been called overrated in a stadium full of people is who we played the other day, that overrated. And you out there playing your hardest and you just fighting and you just know you balling. And it's like, damn, man, we getting ready to lose. It's over. They, they sorry, you know, blank, blanks just beat us. Oh, man. See, it's, it's so different worst. football,
2: kid, because when basketball – when I got called overrated
3: by Maryland fans, I, we uh, we saw Maryland two other times that year. No, we couldn't do nothing. I know. We, yeah. We, we if if yeah. the NC two A didn't come in and do what they did to us that year with the suspensions of I think we lost seven starters. Seven starters? Yeah, seven starters. Man, they was you know oh, yeah. getting that money, yeah. man. You know how I go. <laughs> we lost seven starters that year, my senior year, and. um and we wind up losing to Notre Dame, who was, I think, at the time it was at the bottom, top twenty-five, and we was highly ranked, rolling in, and we were picked to win the national title that year, and it just went south. See,
2: so, see, th- see, if that were to happen today, you guys would be fine because it's called NIL.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, core. You're well, to get your back. Key, now. when you said you cried, yeah. you asked Jay if he cried. You said you did. Where does that oh, happen? Yeah, in lo- you was, go back was, to the to the nah, locker room. No, you're crying on and-
3: the sideline because mm-hmm. you're mad. You want to fight. And you're crying, then, you know, the coach is going to come up to you. You know how that go, Jay. With the arm come around to you. you, it's going to be all right. Everything going to be, be all right. All right. It's like, <laughs> it man, it gonna ain't going to be all right. Be all right. <laughs> the hell are you talking about?
2: <laughs> lies, 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 and more lies. It's oh, going to be all right. You, you fine. You'll come back here and play next year, not me. <gasps>
3: they want to ask you. Yeah, they want to They want to ask you questions. And, I, and as much as I hate Notre Dame, too, I got I despise them. See, Kito, like I don't I, like, like
2: them. I always had a hard time at those post-game pressers where – You know, the media ask you really dumb questions like, so how does it feel right now? How do you think it
1: feels? What do you mean, how does it feel? We just got our tails. What would you ask, Jay, now if you approached an athlete and your job was to, you know, people want in, right? They want to know what they're experiencing. They just want to feel something. So what would you ask someone in your position as a member of the media now that's a better question than how does it feel right
2: now? I would even ask how. I would say I know for me – that when I was in that situation, this is how I felt.
1: Yeah, but the, but the media member who's doing the asking sometimes doesn't know. That's why I yeah, don't have media saying.
3: on any of my badges. I won't be put in that position see, at all, Jay Will. That's a separate question. Something. Let me ask. Yeah.
2: So it, let's say I lose my last game to Indiana. Mm-hmm. I miss a free throw at the end to tie the game. I lose. I see Keyshawn Johnson in the post presser, and he's there. And he says, You know, when I lost my last game, it made me feel like that.
1: He wouldn't have to ask me a question. I would be like, yeah, man. Like, But that's not from the audience's perspective. And really, people are doing this in service of the people watching, right, From their, or the people reading. From their perspective, you just affirming what someone else says, hey, it hey, made me feel like this. But you don't not know as- where
2: I'm going to go off of it, though. It just that, that connection, like I see Key. Key recognizes that like, he, he feels what I feel to a degree. But that, um, that allows me to open up. So you're suggesting yeah, a question in, in a C- real J. way instead of me just being yeah. like, yeah you know, I, so I just your feel recommendation right would
1: now. be to put former athletes in the role of asking the question.
2: Oh, I'm not saying. I'm just saying as a former athlete, I'm in tune with how athletes feel.
3: I hear you, Jay. 100 percent. Hey, Chris Canty, what's up, buddy? Have Is you Chris Let me there? ask you a question, man. Have you ever been booed, like to a point where you're like just booed, whether it's college and pros, to the point where you're like, man, I can't wait to get up in the stands.
4: Well, Key, I played in the NFC East eight out of my 11 years in the National Football League, so you already know what time it is. I mean, I used to get booed in our home stadium at med when I was playing with the Giants. I mean, that's just par for the course, though. It's, it's something that comes along with the territory of being a professional athlete, and if you like the direct deposit that hits on Tuesday, then you just come to accept that that's going to come along with it when you don't perform up to the expectations that the fan base put on you.
2: CeCe, you ever talk back to the crowd, though?
4: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't mean that we can't give it back and forth a little bit. I mean, there's, there's an interaction to a point, especially if you end up on the winning side of things. Now, if you lose, the best thing you can do is keep your helmet on and run through the tunnel to get to the locker room. But if you win, you can josh a little bit back and forth with the crowd. That used to be one of my favorite things to do at the Lake when we go down to play the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, when we won those games, which wasn't as often as we would like, like that was one of those opportunities that you would let the Eagles fans know it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's one of those things as a professional athlete you love to do.
3: Did you ever cry after a loss?
4: No, I never never (laughs) cried after a loss because at the end of it, it's only entertainment, man. It's only entertainment. Even though we invest so much in it, you got to have some awareness about it, and it's an entertainment product. So you want to win as much as you can because that leaves you getting paid a whole lot of money. But – if that doesn't work out that way, you still understand that this is a job, and your job is to entertain. So, so in
3: other words, so in other words, me, so uh, in other words you didn't cry last night after the game that the Giants made so many stupid mistakes and wind up letting Kansas City win that game. So you didn't cry.
4: No, I didn't cry at all because that's something that I've come to expect with the Giants mm-hmm. led by Dave Gettleman. Keith, like this has been going on since the end of 2017. So I mean, I, I feel like I'm numb to it at this point. But the reality is that the program is at a crossroads and they got to change some things. And a lot of it has to do with, you know, Dave Gettleman, the ingredients that he's brought in, but also, you know, being able to orchestrate it, the coaching staff, Joe Judge, uh, Jason Garrett. I mean, I I don't understand how a coach that could be so hot on discipline can have a team that was penalized as much as the Giants were yesterday. I mean, we talk about the Kansas city penalties, but the Giants were penalized yesterday too to the tune of what are the key 10, ten penalties for 88 yards, mm-hmm. including the one with O'Shane Jimenez where he jumps all sides and he costs the Giants an opportunity for a turnover from Darnay Holmes when he gets that pick. So, I mean, that that's one of those things that we're saying, okay, that could be the difference in the outcome of the game. So, I just I, – I, I don't understand the key. I I, I, I try, to, try to give Joe Judge and his staff some time to kind of get things fixed because – The team was in such disrepair when they took over, but it doesn't feel like they're moving forward. It feels like they're regressing, and that's a problem.
2: Chris Canty, Super Bowl champion, joining us here on Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Max. CeCe, I'm glad we got all the giant stuff out of the way because now it's time for the real question I wanted to ask you. How many levels are there to this, actually?
4: (laughs) There's a whole lot of levels to it, Jay. There's a whole lot of levels, but one thing I will say, and I know we're going back to – the conversation that Key and I had about the New Orleans Saints, the back and forth. Well, and we actually didn't have you know, a
3: conversation, but you go ahead. Yes, you guys well, are talking we, through we, multiple shows. We had <laughs> separate conversations. You had your conversation <laughs> reacting to what I had to say about
4: what you initially said about the Saints. And, and I, I'm sitting here looking at your show this morning, and I'm seeing Key's real rankings. And Key's real rankings don't have the New Orleans Saints as a top three seed in the NFC. Now, maybe that's because of the Jameis Winston news and how that potentially changes things for, for the outlook of New Orleans. But ultimately what I'll say is this. I, I did my ranking. The top five teams in the NFL are all teams from the NFC, and none of them are the New Orleans Saints. Now, do I fully expect the New Orleans Saints to be a playoff team? I absolutely do. But I don't think the New Orleans Saints are going to win the NFC South. And I'll also tell Key this. We've got a lot of football left to play, and Key also knows that on any given Sunday – there is a team that can show up, that can give you some problems, that can beat you, and I feel like that's what happened in New Orleans at Caesars Superdome. That game, to me, credit to New Orleans' defense because they played their tails off, but there were a lot of miscues that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had that they typically don't, and I don't expect that they'll play like that for the rest of the season.
3: Well, here's what I would say, Chris. You are You are right in terms of the top five ranking Um, New Orleans without Jameis Winston in there. I don't know who's playing quarterback. So I'm going to sit tight on that sort of, I'm pushing, I'm pushing pause right now on where they're at until they figure out their quarterback situation. Now in terms of winning the NFC South and getting a top three seed, all they got to do is win the division. They won the division Mm -hmm. last year. Even though it was a pandemic year, they still played football. They won the division. They beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers three straight times thus far in the regular season, um, including two last year and one again this year. Now, that could potentially change depending on who's that quarterback. But I would say this. Their defense is playing pretty good football under Dennis Allen. They're missing one of the top flight receivers in the National Football League that will be coming back at some point in time, healthy, not sprained ankles. Uh, they got a coach that if he was to step down as a Saints coach tomorrow, the tarmac would be full of owners trying to pay for his services. So with all that being said, you don't have them in your top five. And I can understand that. I, I get it. But you cannot not say that they are not in the mix with everybody else. It just, it, there's no way record speaks for itself no matter how you look at style points. do You say that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers has some miscues. Well, hell, how do you think, and you smart, you know, you played this game, how you think you had those miscues? It's because we did our job to force you to make those mistakes you made. Well, Key, here's what I'll say. I mean, we've got five teams in the
4: NFC that have six wins or more, and the New Orleans Saints ain't one of them. So now you well, can New Orleans just played, but you got to remember. No, I know. Seven games. I understand that they've only played seven games. They had an earlier bye. But you just said you are what your record says you are. And right now, even though the New Orleans Saints did beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who happened to be the front runner in the NFC South, they are still not leading their division right now. And what I will say is this. What, what, Tampa how are you going to lead a division one
3: team play more games than you?
4: But, Key, key what I will say is this. They got nine games to go, and they still got another matchup that they got to play down in Tampa. So we'll see how that game goes. But ultimately,
3: you know this, Keith, there are certain teams. And they crushed the Tampa Bay Bucks in Tampa last year, but you want to point to going back to Tampa with no quarterback. Man, you don't stop. Who was their quarterback last year when they went down to Tampa and do that? Who was their quarterback? They just beat the dude. They just beat him at home last week. They beat a better team last week at home with a backup quarterback and Trevor Simeon. Come on now, Chris. Key, what I would say is this. For the defense that Dennis Allen
4: threw at Tom Brady, when you don't have deep speed, when you don't have an Antonio Brown that can threaten the middle of that cover two man that Dennis Allen was featuring – that could present some problems, and you saw that those guys in the secondary were sitting on certain routes for Tom Brady, including the one that P.J. Williams made the house call for at the end of the game to seal it. So what I'll say is this. I'm not taking anything away from the performance that the New Orleans Saints had, but what my eyes tell me is that is an outlier performance for Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this season, and I don't anticipate that's who they're going to be moving forward. They got a bye week to get all of that stuff cleaned up, especially the penalties, and I actually think that loss could end up helping Tampa Bay in that way because they came into that game with the most penalty yardage in the National Football League, and Bruce Arias was clear about that. That's something that they got to get cleaned up because when you play against teams that are as fundamentally sound as the New Orleans Saints, especially with their defense, their offensive line, and their running game, that's when being complacent can catch up with you. I don't think that that game was all about the New Orleans Saints being as dominant. I think that's a game where they caught the Tampa Bay Buccaneers slipping because Tampa Bay was complacent. That is my story about what happened Sunday. In well, you better stick though. to that story. And, and that's why that's reflected in my ranking the way that I have them. I still don't see New Orleans as a top three seed in the NFC. And I feel like that will bear itself out throughout the course of the season. We'll see what happens, Keith. That's the beautiful thing about football. It'll all play out, and one of us is going to be proven right. Listen, you could be right. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. And we get a chance to find that out.
3: Chris Canty, co-host of Canty and Golick Jr., joining us this morning on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. I almost said Zubin. Oh, gosh. What does Von Miller do for the Rams, buddy?
4: Oh, man, I I think it frees up Aaron Donald in terms of the amount of time that he spends being double-teamed. Like, that's the biggest thing that I think of. Like, Aaron Donald, I think he's top three or four in double-team rate in the National Football League. So being able to get Von Miller to go alongside Leonard Floyd and AD up front, I think that gives AD more opportunities for one-on-ones, more opportunities to go to work. And and that's going to be scary for that Rams defense in terms of what they can do with the front and coverage being able to work together uh, in the passing game. So, yeah, that, that's the biggest thing for me. And being able to get Von Miller and then getting the Denver Broncos to pick up $9 million of his $9.7 million salary this year, like that's, that's huge because it, it helps with the Rams in terms of their salary cap situation this season, being able to add a piece like that. So, I, I think this is Les need going all in on this year. Sean McVay, them continuing to the double down. We saw it with the Matt Stafford move. This is just another move to support that decision to go all in with
2: this team. So then, CC, who would you say – go ahead, Max. No, I was just
1: going to say talking to Chris Canty, co-host of Canty and Golick Jr. here on Keyshawn J. Willemax, ESPN Radio. Go ahead, Jay. I
2: was going to ask you, CC, who do you think is the best team in the NFC between Green Bay, the Cowboys, the Bucks, the Cardinals, the Rams? Who's your choice for number one right now?
4: Well, I got the Cowboys number one, and, and I got to keep them there because even without Dak Prescott, they were able to go into Minnesota and beat the Vikings with Cooper Rush, and I just thought that that was a complete performance. And you saw that this is a team whose defense can step up and win the day for them when need be. And you couple that with having the most explosive offense in the NFL when Dak is healthy, like there's a lot to like with that Cowboys team. couple of injuries that concern me, Tyron Smith, and then of course, Dak's cast being on that same leg as that surgically repaired ankle. Like, those are things that you have to look at moving forward. But if this team is healthy, then to me they're the best team in the NFC, and I would follow them um, with having the uh, – who, who was it that I had in my rankings? I would follow yes. them with having the Rams as the, the, the second-best team in the NFC. Then I've got the Green Bay Packers, the Cardinals, um, and then we round round that group out with Arizona. So, that I mean uh, – what
2: is it? The green With right the Rams? Rams. Well, you got you got the Rams, Cowboys, Rams,
4: the Packers, Rams, the Packers, the, the, the Cards, and then the, um, Tampa Bay. Tampa Excuse
1: Chris, Bay. we oh, were we that's,
4: were that's how I'll round out the top five.
1: Chris, we were talking earlier in the show about confidence in certain teams. For example, the Packers have Aaron Rodgers. The Cowboys are loaded, and they have Dak Prescott. I think the Rams are one, but there is a sense I think whether people acknowledge it or not that Matt Stafford. We don't know. He's talented, but we don't know. Is he 0-3 in the playoffs because he's with the Lions? Or is he 0-3 in the playoffs because there's something with him, right? We're going to find that out this year. Where are you on Matt Stafford and what that means for L.A.?
4: I'm in on Matt Stafford, Max. I mean, I think that he's shown us through what he's done early on this season that you know he's a legitimate quarterback and that the issues and the lack of postseason success in Detroit has more to do with the state of that franchise than it does him and his ability to be able to lead a team. Um, you still want to see it, and until he does, you're not going to have confidence that he's capable of it. But what I will say is this is a great opportunity for him because he's got everything in place for him to have success. He's got the offensive line. They've got the weapons in the skill position core. They've got the defense to be able to support it. Like, there aren't any excuses for Matt Stafford as to why he can't get it done. So if the Rams get ousted early in the playoffs – everybody's going to be pointing to Matt Stafford front and center. That's going to be on him. That's not going to be on anybody else.
3: Hey, Chris. So the trade deadline is coming up in a few hours. I think it's probably like six and a half hours or something like that. I don't really care about the actual clock, but it is today.
5: Mm-hmm. What should
3: what should Cleveland do with OBJ, man? Should they move on from him or should mm-hmm. they just like try to figure out how to continue to work with him to implement him in the offense so he could help them win? Because otherwise – they could be on the outside looking in in terms of the playoffs.
4: No, they could be, Keith, and that's the scary thing about it because you've got three other teams that are live dogs when it comes to the AFC playoff picture. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Cleveland is at a crossroads, and they have to be honest with themselves in terms of what they can expect in the way of quarterback play for the rest of the way because it's clear that Baker Mayfield is, is not – as, you know, is, is not capable of making the plays that we saw him make last year in Kevin Stefanski's office. Now, that's not to say that the loss against Pittsburgh this past Sunday was all on him, because certainly there are members of that supporting cast that played a role. The Jarvis Landry fumble is one of them. And then, Key, you got to help me out with this one, because I thought that, that throw to OBJ in the red zone, that that's one of those that OBJ might have made a business decision on. Not to say that the ball was was accurate. It was some inaccuracies, but I feel like that's one of those plays that your your prime-time players have to go up and make for your quarterback, especially knowing what Baker Mayfield is dealing with. So, to me, I, I think Cleveland has got to take a long, hard look at themselves and be honest with themselves about the outlook of the rest of the season, especially when you factor in the Baker Mayfield injury. So, I I, I, I think this could be a situation where they – they consider selling at the deadline, but because things are so closely contested in that division, I don't anticipate their GM,
0: Andrew Barry, doing that.
3: Yeah, the seam route up the seam was, <laughs> I mean, uh, somebody like me, that's an easy routine catch for me. Baker, I mean, not Baker, uh, OBJ is so much smaller than me, Canty, that is slightly thrown uh, not to protect him. The safety was coming over when he's coming on that deep crosser. So you got to make sure to keep him – away from the backside safety and keeping closer to the front side safety, and Baker led him too far across the field, and he was late with the throw, I understand what you're saying, but if, I'm, but if I am OBJ in that particular situation coming off an ACL, it's like, well, wait a minute, man. you late with the ball now. You're getting ready to get my head knocked off.
1: One, thank you. Hey, Chris Canty on the Goodyear Hotline. Appreciate you jumping on with us, Chris. Thanks. You're still See,
4: about the same Absolutely, stuff. guys. Pre- appreciate you guys having me.
1: That's Chris Canty, ladies and gentlemen. Canty and Golick Jr., uh, one, a- one AFC team on a roll and ready to make a playoff run. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. Here on Keyshawn, J. Will and Max ESPN Radio Sirius XM Channel 80, we have Patriots running back, Damian Harris. What's going on, Damian? Good up, to dude? have you.
0: What's going on? How you guys doing? What's and up, D? Yeah, I'm good. Right. You guys
3: good? Oh, oh man. Good. You know how it is. We is. I'm out here in Cali, and they in back east, but I'm getting ready to join them all, so... Everything seemed to be good. Are you good, though, coming off that big win on the road against the Chargers?
0: Yeah, everything's good. Um, definitely a great win this weekend. Um, it was a game we knew we needed. Uh, we knew if we prepared the right, the right way um, last week during practice, we played our best football. We knew we'd, uh, we'd have a chance to win, so that's what we
1: did. Um, you guys uh, are still talked about how, – how much of you guys still talked about the wide-open playoff hunt in, in the East, you know, in spite of the, sl- the slow start?
0: Um, I mean, we focus, We like to focus more on just, you know, the next week. And, you know, we want to stay in the now, stay in the present. Uh, we know we can't control what happened in the past, and we don't want to look too far ahead of ourselves. You know, we just want to show up every single day ready to work and, you know, get ready for whatever challenges we have that week. Um, we know there's an opportunity. Uh, obviously, we want to make the most of it, but – you it know, starts one week at a time. You know, handling our business each and every Saturday or Sunday, excuse me.
2: Damien, I was gonna say, as, as a young player in the NFL, and obviously having a, a young quarterback in the NFL too, uh, how, what is your relationship like with Mac, and how have you guys both grown in your roles?
0: Uh, it's great. You know, everybody knows me and Mac have a great relationship. Uh, we've been we've been boys since uh, since our days at Alabama. So, you know, obviously we got great chemistry, but. You know, both being at this level and, you know, I think we both improved tremendously as players. And, you know, I think that whenever we play our best football individually, collectively as a team, you know, as an offense, we really give ourselves a chance to win. So you know, it's been great seeing Mac do his thing. Um, everybody knows he's been playing really well. And, you know, he does a lot of great things for us. And, you know, we, we love having a back there. So everything's been uh, – it's been good so far, but we got a lot of work
3: to do. Damon Harris, Patriots running back, joining us this morning on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Uh, Damon, you had the opportunity, rare opportunity to play not only for, I would say, probably, arguably the best coach. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm sorry about that, man. My producer jumped in my ear. I thought he was saying something. But uh, you had the, the rare opportunity did. to play both uh, for Nick Saban as well as Bill Belichick. Two, Two of the greatest coaches, one in the pros and one in college. How are they different i, I kind of know them both but i want to hear from you who's played for both of them how are they different
0: um i mean it's hard to say without going into too much detail but um you know they both have their similarities and they have their differences um but you know like you said those are two of the greatest coaches um to ever coach this game so being fortunate enough to, to have that opportunity to play for both of them um it's been huge for me as a player uh, as a person um you know, can't really say enough about those two guys and how great it's been to play for both of them. So, incredibly thankful for that opportunity I've had. And, um, you know, I think I'm definitely better off for uh, being able to play for those two guys.
2: Damien, how are they alike and how are they different?
0: Um, I mean, they both just obviously run a tight ship. Um, You know, they value their you know, organization, and programs off of having tough, smart, dependable football players that um, – you know, go out there and play, play their best football. Um, you know, it's kind of how they're similar. Uh, I don't really, they, they, not too many differences. Um, you know, I know they grew up uh, or they came up being friends, so I think that a lot of those things are kind of they share a lot of those same things. But there's a couple differences here and there.
1: Um, how how would you say? Well, first of all, you you talk about. You and Mac and the relationship and all that. What's he like in the, you know around the facility in the locker room on the field? What's it, what's it like playing with him?
0: Oh, uh, he's cool. Um, obviously, there's a time and a place for everything. There's a time to be serious. There's a time where we kind of let loose and joke around a little bit and have fun and still enjoy this game that we're playing. Um, you know, so there's a, you get a little bit of both. Um, but whenever it's time to lock in, you know he is. He's got laser focus, and he's all about doing his job and doing whatever it takes to, to help us, uh, help us be a successful offense. So you really get the best of uh, best of both worlds, with him.
3: Hey, Damon, um, you one of your Alabama alums, and, and Derek Henry, uh, you know, went down last week, and, and he'll miss some time with the Tennessee Titans. How tough was it to see, exactly, or hear, better yet, exactly what happened to? one of the top two or three running backs in the league.
0: Yeah, it definitely sucked, um, you know, hearing that coming out of our game. Uh, that was a tough one to, tough one to hear. Um, Derek's obviously been a tremendous player in this league for you know, however long, and our relationship goes back to college as well. So, you know, hearing that that happened, it was definitely unfortunate. But, you know, I know Derek, and I know the kind of guy that he is. So I know he's only going to come back stronger, and, you know, this will be a small stepping stone on, you know, his – Further track to greatness. So, you know, wishing them all the best. And, um, you know, like I said, I know D.Han will come back stronger than ever.
1: That is Damian Harris on the Goodyear hotline. Thank you, Damian. Thanks, D.
0: Yes, I appreciate you guys.
1: Brought all right, to you by Goodyear, with you for every mile on the road to greatness. Goodyear, more driven. So um, the college football rankings are out tonight. Mm. And uh, we're going to get into it. By the way, we have Mario Cristobal,
5: Oregon. Yay! Coming right up here on Keyshawn J. Willimax. Have you ridden an electric e bike yet? You need to check out Electric e Bikes today, the number one selling e bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about Electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
0: The Keyshawn, J. Will and Max Podcast.
1: Keyshawn, J. Will and Max, presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests on the Goodyear Hotline. You can chime in on the Dr. Pepper call in line, 888-729-3776. Mario Cristobal, Oregon football head, or head football coach, rather, is on the line coach welcome to the show thanks for jumping on with us H- how are you how are you you and the team going to be watching tonight's uh, rankings reveal on ESPN
6: oh we'll be tied up in meetings man number one good morning thanks for having me um but yeah to answer your question we're focused on what we're doing man I think the entire country is from a football standpoint now for the fans and everything surrounding it I think it's obviously it's a pretty significant deal but for us business
3: well that's that explains everything then that explains why you won't pick up your damn phone when i'm calling <laughs> i can't yep. even get a call back or nothing coach come on now
6: you know what hey, if you call my family back home you know it's uh, out florida they'll tell you the same thing so i apologize but i'll make it up to you with a tremendous cuban meal
3: this no, office, I, okay i don't, don't know. worry
2: coaches because you already got the best job in the conference we understand
3: Hey, don't <laughs> don't don't go don't ahead, fall Keith. don't fall for the the okie doke trap. This is a dude that <laughs> thinks he's smarter than everybody from Duke. But anyway, uh, if if you were watching and it didn't go the way you wanted it to go, like a year or two ago, what would your pitch be to the committee if you had to have a conversation with them?
6: I, I think pitches are. Our words, man, and I think proclamations in this day and age are nowhere near as significant as action, so I, I think it's all going to be about how people play. It really is, you know. And, and I don't think it's ever ended like it started. I could be wrong there. Maybe I don't study it enough, but I swear, I think with as crazy as college football has become, the amount of parity, the amount of just insane, um, I don't know, just upsets and games that 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 just go a different way if everyone is not focused on what they're supposed to do it's going to be wackier than ever so for us it's every ounce into the one-and-oh process and the rest will take care of itself
2: coach out of all the teams that have one loss do you believe that you guys have the best win that you guys got against the buckeyes in ohio state
6: well i think everybody feels the same way but again that's already in the rearview mirror for us, brother. Everything is focused on this week's game. So, and I know, I know the show's about talking about tonight, the CFP rankings. But I'm going to be the most boring interview you've ever had, ever. <laughs> no, I'm going to lighten you up. I'm, I'm
3: going to lighten you up, Coach. You're going you're gonna to have to loosen up for us now. <laughs> <laughs> we we know you all about the X's and the O's. We get it. But at the at the end of the day, it is important to know that Oregon wants to be, and you want to be in that conversation at the end of the year and and you've got games to still go. And when you look at teams, you, you took care of business against Ohio state. Do you believe uh, you guys have the best win of the year so far in the one loss column in going into Columbus and taking care of business against the Buckeyes Mm -hmm. considering that they've been rolling ever since?
6: No, I I believe you had me on the show because we are in the conversation and for you to keep having me on the show in the future we got to keep being part of the conversation. That means we got to keep focused on our 1 and 0. So there you go, buddy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> to the point. Um, what do you make, coach, if I may, talking to Mario Cristobal, Oregon football head coach, here on Keyshawn J. Will and Max? What do you make, if I may be so bold as to ask the question, coach, of Washington coach Jimmy Lake saying yesterday that they don't battle in recruiting with Oregon? Because, and this is a quote, the schools that we go against have academic prowess, like Notre Dame and Stanford. Floor is yours, Coach.
6: My take is we're focused on our game on Saturday. I I hear
1: you, Coach. coach, You hear that answer? That's the type of answer that Key gives when he shows you the way coaches are supposed to answer questions at post-game pressers. Mario, let me ask you this because, you know, I'm around Coach K all the time, and he's very direct
2: in a lot of his questions, too. How do you how do you constantly stay focused and how do you constantly keep your players focused from all these distractions from social media from quotes like we just mentioned how do you how, like what's the strategy and how to keep them aligned so they can have the best season possible
6: well the first thing you got to do you got to be real and being real is acknowledging what the noise is like put it on the table you know put it front and center all right this is what's what you're hearing, this is what's going to be in your face when you leave practice and you try to get on your phone to call mom, it's going to pop up on your screen. This is the noise. Now, let's now shift our focus to what the reality is. The noise that comes with, I guess, the positive side of stuff, it is a byproduct of you taking care of your business. And if you don't take care of your business, you know what the noise is going to be next week? The complete opposite. So uh-huh. to call it uh, to call it what it is, the noise the surrounding media, the hype, uh, the nonsense, the BS, it will never, ever, ever have anything to do with the results on Saturday. So that being said, all focus, every ounce poured and invested into our processes to get a desired result. I really do believe with the amount of, think about it, man, just uh, the, the overstimuli of this day and age, right? With Social media, I mean, instantaneous information. If, uh-huh. if you – I don't think there's any time. I don't think there's enough kilobytes in the human brain to focus on anything else except the task at hand. And our players believe that. That's what we do. Want to know, want to know, want know, brother. That's it.
1: Yeah. yeah. A, multitasking is a myth. You can do one thing at a time. That's true. No, understood. I mean, obviously – Well, I
6: mean, it's, it, it's not like it's a myth, but the thing is multitasking nowadays, they want to, you, you know, multitask 400 different things. I mean – what I know relates to to everything. I mean, it's talking about like our meeting coming up here in about 20 minutes. It's going to be about the walkthrough coming up after that. It's going to be about you know our pre-practice flex and stretch. I mean, every every bit of it is it's a cumulative effect of doing things the right way. So I mean, you know where where I played and who I coach with and all that stuff. So it, there's a combination of everything and what we do here at Oregon, and that's what works for us. So that's what we're going to stick to.
3: Are are you are you having fun, coach? Are you are you excited about just? Are are you having fun? Are you so locked in that you don't have time to just breathe a little bit?
6: I don't I don't even understand what that means. I I don't fathom the. I mean, this is like a way of life. This is a vocation for us. This isn't a job like a living doctor of this stuff. I've been blessed with an unbelievable, you know, set of parents. Dad, may he rest in peace, but. That just knew how to grind and just preach grinding and getting after and doing things the right way and you know there's doing things the right way in South Florida is no different than doing things the right way out here in the Pacific Northwest. You just grind, you go, you do right by people, and so I love this stuff, man. You know, it takes up every minute of your day and every ounce of your existence, and I wouldn't have it any other way.
3: Yeah, you you know because you 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 coach with Coach Saban, you played at UM, and it's so intense, and it's just now you're at Oregon, you got that program going in the right direction, and you know sometimes we can get as a former professional athlete who's been locked into it as well. Sometimes we just get so bogged into it that we don't get a chance to enjoy the great ride of winning games and things of that nature that we've been you know been fortunate enough to be a part of. That's why I asked you that question.
6: Yeah. No, I'm with you, man. I, I think some people, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I know that I truly enjoy and love the competitive aspect and the ability to do that every single week. And I love the preparation. I love the process of preparing, of just diving into game planning technique fundamentals, details, and finding ways, you know, finding ways to get our guys a chance at having their best success. So I, uh, I do, man. I'm, I'm as lucky as it gets, man. I, um uh, I'm, I'm really blessed.
2: Mario, as they say, you can't turn that light switch on and off. It has to stay on all the time. We got about 40 seconds, but I wanted to ask you about one of the best players that you ever coached. How impressed have you been to the start of the year? I mean, he had an incredible year last year, but just Justin Herbert's short career in the NFL thus far.
6: Yeah, you know, it was something we talked about here all the time. It was, we always felt he was the best in the country. I mean, he, this is a guy that, this people forget about this. When he got here, Oregon was 4-8, and eight, okay? And then a couple years later, 12-2, and two, number five in the country, Rose Bowl champs, Pac-12 champs. And while building up his supporting cast along the way, throwing 30 touchdowns, four interceptions a year, I mean, this guy really did it all. And I don't think he ever got enough credit, but I'm glad now he's getting the credit that he's due. He's kicking butt, and we love seeing him.
1: That's Mario Cristobal, ladies and gentlemen, on the Goodyear Hotline. Thanks for joining us this morning, Coach, and uh, good luck going forward.
2: Thanks, Coach. You guys. God All right,
1: Chris, bless, man, go um, Key, he answered that question about about a shot taken by another coach. The way you sometimes do. Hey, why don't coaches just sound like this at the post game press conference? Didn't get anywhere near it. Didn't step in it. Next, on to the next.
3: Yeah, it just you know, man, you you Jimmy Lake has his own issues with Washington. If I was him, I'd worry about winning games instead of worried about. Trying to figure out how to get kids into school when every every other coach that's ever coached at UW got guys. Give me a countdown,
1: Key, Keyshawn, J Will, and Max. We'll see you tomorrow morning, ESPN Radio.
0: Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from six to ten
1: Eastern on ESPN Radio.